Welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm Liana Ross, and I'm a licensed mental health counselor. I'm the assistant director of Gooding Wellness Group, and I'm on a mission to answer your real and honest questions, unfiltered, while also giving you the real and honest opinions of a mental health clinician on pop culture and trending topics. Stay tuned. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Be Honest. I'm Liana, and I'm a licensed therapist and your host. And this episode is sponsored by Mountainside Treatment Center in Cannon, Connecticut. Today, we're going to answer a listener question. And this topic actually came up a few times with people requesting it. It's a topic of grief and bereavement. And since this is not something that I specifically specialize in, I thought, well, I need to bring on someone who does. So today I'm joined by Michelle Gegwich, who's a licensed master social worker and a clinician from Gooding Wellness. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks, Liana. How are you? Good. How's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm excited about this. Tell, uh, tell us a little bit briefly about you and your path and becoming to where you are in this field. So I'm a social worker, as you said, and my experience started in medical social worker in a hospital, and then I transitioned to hospice in home care as well as inpatient hospice facilities, Uh, and then I got certified as a grief educator in the last few years. I'm a bereaved spouse. I've uh, had losses of friends and all of my grandparents, and uh, really just felt a, a deep connection to to the process of, of death and dying, of course, in my work in hospice, but also this devotion to the, the growth after, uh, after losing somebody close and the sort of the, the need to have some, to have hope uh, that the pain's not always going to be as great as it is in the beginning. So uh, working over the, uh, in addition, I've been teaching yoga and meditation for 25 years. So sort of incorporating everything uh, professionally and personally to to provide support to folks. Wow, you had a really long experience in this. And I understand that where you have that calling and it's just like, I'm going to stick with this. And I want to kind of center my practice around this area that we feel so passionate about. Well, and it's not such a hot topic, right? Yes. When I was working in hospice, it's not something you share at a cocktail party. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, 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 it devolves into people then talking about their loss and, and grief is, is heavy for some. Uh, in addition, in our society, it's not really something we talk about a lot. So it's super common that when people are grieving, they feel like either they're not doing it right or they should be over it faster or we think you're supposed to be done with grief in, you know, some prescripted time frame, which just isn't the case. Uh, and, and that leads to people then think, you know, they're not doing it right. Or family members saying, aren't you over this yet? Uh, so it can mm-hmm. be confusing for people when they do lean into their emotions and it's not always received in, in a way that feels supportive. Yes. I feel like this is going to be really validating for people and kind of like going with what you were saying. I heard this, someone say that dying is something we all go through, but no one talks about it. And it's so wild. So it's like, I'm so glad you're doing the work that you're doing because we need to be talking about it more. A lot of the voice in my head also comes from David Kessler, who I've, I've studied with and did my grief certification with. And, and he describes it as we live in a grief illiterate world. 
right? And, and that people don't, we don't even have the language because it's such a scary topic for, for so many people that it's hard, it's hard to talk about for some people. And then for other of us, it's, it's easy because as you said, like it's the one thing where everyone's going to die, right? Mm-hmm. Every one of our relatives, you know, in pe- previous generations has died and, and to, to, to dispel some of the, the taboo, I guess, the taboo about speaking about something that's upsetting. Yes. Yes. And that's kind of what we do while we do here, you know, talk about things that people don't want to talk about to reduce the stigma. <laughs> right. Um, so I guess the big question here that a listener asked, that is probably a broad question, but however you want to kind of answer it, how does one recover from grief? And the wording was super interesting to me. So I looked up how to define recover and recover means to return to a normal state of health, mind or strength. So already in that a normal state, I immediately cringe at. And, and when you think about losing someone that's close to you, whether it's a parent, a child, a friend, a spouse, normal's done. It, it, we need to find a new normal. We need to have a new understanding of what our days and, and our life looks like because everything we knew up until that point is no longer. So for me, I think I frame it more as, as how do we cope with grief and how do we, how do we live with grief, right? It's, it's this idea that it's, it's not uh, something that has a beginning and an end for a close loss for many losses, maybe all it's going to be forever. Uh, mm-hmm. It's always going to be a part of it, a part of us. Same as when we love somebody, it changes us. When we lose somebody, it has the potential to change us too. So I look at it as more as how do we cope? Um, and we've all heard of the stages of grief, right? It's it's something that that mm-hmm. we've learned in school, and people kind of hear on you know probably social media. And the 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 key for me and what I try to work with clients with is to dispel some of the myths and understanding that those five stages were never meant to be a recipe, a prescription. Uh, they are not linear, right? So if we go denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, some people have added in anxiety as another stage. We're going to come in and out of those throughout any grieving process. Right. Uh, for sure, in the beginning, it's denial and anger, and then it might be denial again, and then it's anger again. So it's our brain allows us to accept loss in bits and pieces. And it's yeah. this start and stop. I, I, I had, um, I can't remember what book it is now. I should remember the author. Maybe, it, maybe it's that um, The Smell of Dust on Rain, or is it The Smell of Rain on Dust? One of those two. Mm-hmm. But he talks about how we metabolize the loss. And hearing the word metabolize really resonated in that it's not something that's outside of us. It's something that actually becomes us. Oh, interesting. So it kind of goes along with the idea of we process things very probably slowly and at its own time where we probably don't control it. Right. And imagine you could truly process a loss on day one. I don't know if we'd survive. No. <laughs> Right. It's all these little adjustments and and all of these little wins, if you will, uh, when it's a close lost, right, a close loss, whether it's going to your first holiday after somebody has died or mm-hmm. their first birthday after they've died or your first doctor's appointment. Like there's all of these little uh, not even little. There's all of these experiences that are now new. So that idea of recovering and returning to a state of normal. 
It's no, a different it's, normal. It's not going to yeah. be the same way as it was before that person passed. It's sort of like when you're uh, when you eat meat and then you don't eat meat. Are you can you have a veggie burger? Yes. Is it going to be the same as the hamburger? No. Right. So so holding it to the same standard mm -hmm. uh, can oftentimes feel like we're failing when actually oh. we're adapting. Oh, I like that. I think a lot of people will hear that and think like, okay, maybe I won't be so hard on myself because it's not supposed to be the same way as it was. If it was really an enjoyable experience, we would talk about it more. Mm, very good point. Right. And, and so there's ways that we can support our, our work, our, our coping, our, our ability to in some way find recovery in, in self-care, in self-love. Uh, and, and that becomes what, what our go-to is. Um, so for a lot of people, it's yoga. For a lot of people, it's meditation. For some people, it's, it's exercise. It may be walking. Uh, you know, out here on Long Island, we have access to the beaches. So mm -hmm. reconnecting to, to the ocean or to the beach where it sort of replicates the grief process, right? That, that it's moving. It's always going to be different. Uh, some of the waves we're going to see coming. Mm -hmm. Well, grieving and, and get knocked over. Some of the waves we're not going to see coming and, and we're going to get knocked over. Um, but finding ways to, to find where you're grounded. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like increasing self-care, um, finding things that probably increase mindfulness, keep you present. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And take us out of the judgment. And take us out of the judgment. Mm, judgment of ourselves, one. judgment probably about the quote unquote timeline. Um, yeah, I can imagine a lot of shame as well in the process. Well, and there's no right or wrong way to grieve. There's no right way. There's no time frame. And the, the difference in your bereavement uh, is going to depend on your life experience. Mm-hmm on previous losses. Uh, maybe there's been a close loss, right? And then it's cumulative. Uh, maybe your relationship with the person was complicated. You know, sometimes it's, yeah. it's someone that you had, maybe it was a bad relationship with, but there was always this hope that you could resolve it. And now the person's gone and there's mm -hmm. no resolving it. So there's so many layers to our grief that you know some folks find peace in in their spiritual practice some people reject their spiritual practice there's no right or wrong mm -hmm. i know i've said that a lot but maybe that that's really one of the most important things to communicate to people is is they sh they should watch and i know uh we were going to talk and maybe it's not yet but there there are guardrails we can sort of be aware of mm -hmm. and ways to know if if maybe this is an opportunity where i should reach out and get a little more support. And that could be things like uh, eating too much yeah. or eating too little, mm -hmm. not sleeping enough or sleeping too much, right? Uh, relying on substances, uh, whether alcohol or, or pot or any sort of substances. Uh, sometimes people get reckless. And, and how do we know if our reckless behavior is really putting us in, in, in harm's way? Um, and, and having some sort of way to monitor when should I reach out. Hi, my name is Gordon Gooding. I'm the founder and director of the Gooding Wellness Group here in Cold Spring Harbor, New York. We are a group of mental health providers that offer individual and family counseling here on Long Island. 
We believe the first step for caring for your mental health is to talk and to learn about it, which is what this podcast does such a great job of. If it has a name, someone else has been through it, and so can you. If you ever need a professional that cares about what you are facing, please feel free to reach out to us. Our counseling services are available throughout New York State through our teletherapy service, and we also offer in-person sessions in our beautiful offices here on Long Island, New York. You can reach us at goodingwellness.com or by calling 631-351-2940. Remember, there's nothing that you need to face alone. Until then, keep listening, be deliberate with your mental health, and keep it honest. This episode is sponsored by Mountainside Treatment Center. Mountainside Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed behavioral health work specializing in individualized alcohol and drug rehabilitation programs and services. Our main campus, located in Connecticut, offers private detox, residential, extended care, and intensive outpatient services. Mountainside is also close to home with locations in Connecticut, New York, and New Jersey, in addition to virtual services throughout the state of Massachusetts. We also have a hub for recovery in Chelsea, Manhattan, offering recovery coaching, family recovery coaching, sober events, and support groups. Check us out at mountainside.com. Right. So it's like unhealthy coping tools. And because in reality, it is a form of trauma, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like with any other kind of impact, life impact like this, what are we reaching for? And like, is it impacting my life now? Um, Right. You know, the term that people say like time heals all wounds. Like, do you feel like time is really, I guess, the key to this healing process? So my first reaction is a curse. So I'll go with my second reaction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Time allows us, in my opinion, time allows us to understand it, integrate it, work on it. If we sit and and don't do the work, do I think time heals? Maybe for some losses. For mm-hmm. a lot of them, I don't agree. I don't feel that that's. Uh, I don't feel that, that that time does heal all wounds. So the really right? important like, thing is doing the work. Doing the work, and 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 there's no recipe for what the work is. So mm-hmm. it can be super intuitive, and it can be in line with your current values and beliefs and and whatever systems you have in place and it's work mm-hmm. um and it's hard work yeah no it's and that's why it's a I, you probably see a lot of people who are going through the grieving process um is there any situation where someone could i don't know go through the process on their own or is it like ma- not mandated but like necessary that someone go to therapy i mean like what do you think about that the differences Grief can be very isolating and you can feel that nobody knows what I'm going through and finding a community of people who speak your language validates or can be validating to what you're experiencing and it provides a circle of people that you can just say your loss and they immediately feel mm-hmm. what you're going through. Uh, it's a different, it's a different language. So I feel that therapy, it can be beneficial for a lot of people. 
groups are sometimes the way people find some healing. Maybe supportive friendships with evolved people that are that are comfortable sitting in that pain. Because the one thing for sure, Liana, is that when when folks have a close loss, mm-hmm. it is very common for people to feel their entire dress book changes. Meaning there are people that are not capable of sitting in that deep pain. Mm-hmm. And so they either support you differently, right? Maybe they're the ones who just make you beg ziti and no to everybody, nobody wants beg ziti. <laughs> but the, there are those people that step up and support you in other ways. Mm-hmm. And then there are some people that just vanish into the shadows because they can't hold that space mm-hmm. and that's okay. Though, so seeking out people that can sit with you in the pain from what I hear from clients is super supportive and, and just overwhelmingly validating mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's not this idea, right? Where everyone's on social media. It's not this idea about developing a gratitude practice yeah. in the early days of grief. It's feeling the loss mm-hmm. and having somebody say, yeah, but at least you're not homeless or at least you got, you know, they live Ugh. to be 95 or at least you can have more children or none of those things are supportive. They're, mm. they're more a way that people express that they're uncomfortable talking about your loss. That's a really good thing. So it's no big CD and do not tell me that at least I still have X, Y, Z. Please right. stop, keep it to yourself. And something <laughs> that actually just came to my mind is that, you know, with other areas that I work with people on is sometimes I'll say, you know, you might have to ask them how they want to be supported right? Sometimes people don't want you to bring, you don't, they don't want to see anyone for a week and then at, they might need you on that eighth day. Um, but that's how you're going to know a good amount about what they're going to need in that moment. And they can't read our minds. So it may, they may have always supported their friends in X, Y, and Z. And if that doesn't resonate with you, then to find, to be able to say, uh, this is this is really what I need. I really need my dog walked on Tuesdays. Can you mm-hmm. do this for me? In, to be specific with people because people love us and want to help. And and the more we can ask for what we need is also another win. It's another way of of finding our voice in a time that we're just trying to get our feet on the ground. Yeah, yeah, we're just trying to find some support. Um, can you talk a little bit about disenfranchised grief? Sure. So for disenfranchised grief, meaning that the loss is not supported by others. So some examples are a miscarriage, a pet loss, addiction, Mm -hmm. divorce, infertility, dementia. So some of them, so even take uh, something like dementia, where an older or younger, whatever the person is in their lifespan, there's sort of been little losses in their participation in conversations and their level of independence. So people don't see it as a loss because they're still alive, but it feels like a loss Mm -hmm. to people. And so just validating that people may feel a loss. Uh, Something like miscarriage, again, another thing, we don't really talk about that much in in our culture. and so many women, I don't know the exact step, but so many women end up having miscarriages at some point in their their years of trying to have babies. And again, that, the, the invalidation of you can try again, or have you tried infertility or have you tried adopting? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's this discomfort of sitting in the pain of somebody who 
will remember that loss. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of women that I'm sure you know and that I know that still know the date that their child would have been born had they not miscarried. Yeah. And and so it's it's finding people that will validate that loss with you. Uh, and pet loss too is a big one, mm-hmm. especially if someone isn't a pet owner. They're like, it's just your dog. But it, it's for those of us who have those pets close to us, mm-hmm. it is not just a dog. Yes, I agree. I It's funny, before we, I owned a dog, I kind of felt that way. I was like, I don't get it. And I didn't because I never had one. And then we right. lost our family dog last year. And I was thinking about her this morning and I like, it was probably the most traumatic day. Like it was so, it still gets me like every time. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, now I get it. Hence why it's so important to find people around you that also get it. Right. Right. You hear a lot and it might've even been Queen Elizabeth. I shouldn't say that because maybe it's not, but that, that grief is an expression of our love, right? That, that when you love something or somebody deeply there, there is a grieving process. Yeah. And, and, and same with like, same with a divorce, right? So Mm -hmm. the person's not dead, but, but you had this idea of what your life was going to look like. Yes. And it's, it's not that. So there's, there's a, a bit of leaning into the process too, and acknowledging there's pain. Yes. It, and I like that you brought that up because a lot of times I talk about the grieving process, but in other ways in regards to someone getting a medical condition and grieving mm-hmm. what life would have looked like or grieving the loss of a intimate partner. Um, I feel like grieving goes on even with yeah. COVID, right? Like not having the normalcy that would have happened. And I think Absolutely. that grieving goes on more than we even realize. Um, is there anything else as we wrap up that you want to, you want to add? One thing I try to stay present with, well, it kind of, the toxic positivity kind of drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to communicate that there is hope. And in the grieving process, the idea of, of allowing a little crack in the story that there, there, there will be uh, hope and that your pain uh, may not be easy ever, but it may be less hard. Mm -hmm. This idea that it's never going to be as bad as the day your loved one died. And as long as we can keep seeking out support from paid and unpaid people and uh, being honest and uh, staying present, there's, there's hope. Yeah. And and if you don't have people in your life who speak the language, seek us out because there's plenty of people that, that are willing to talk about the heavy stuff. Thank you so much. That like, I think will give hope to a lot of people and hopefully start the conversation more. Um, and even just people listening to this episode, it's starting a conversation, right? Like, so I think this is a really good place to be. Um, well, tell- thank you for having me. Of course, you did awesome. So tell people where they can find you. How can they work with you if they'd like? So I'm a, in practice at Gooding Wellness, as you know, in Cold Spring Harbor. And uh, we're always looking, if we get enough interest, we're always looking to start a bereavement support group. So mm-hmm. I would love it if anyone wants to do that. Just uh, send an email uh, to Gooding Wellness. And 
we will, we're open to doing workshops. We'll do anything, as I say, just to, to keep the conversation going. Um, that's, I think that's it. I think we're also working on a blog. So we're putting together a list of recommended books that may be helpful to people that we'll put up on the website in a couple of weeks. Yep, that will be on there with a lot of good resources. So that'll be really nice to have. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Let's Be Honest. Follow the podcast and submit your question to be answered on the pod at Let's Be Honest Pod on Instagram. If you're liking the podcast, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Head to the show notes for all the links and information for what we discussed today. See you next time.